0: The Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 21. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want answers about wealth and investing so they can feel secure about their family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should too. Well, hello everybody, how are you doing today? My name is Scott Wellens and I'm your host of the Best in Wealth podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor. And today we're gonna talk about the worst money, mistakes that people make at any age. But before we do that, I just want to give you a little sneak peek into my life. You know, I have my finances in order, but I don't have everything else in order. In fact, not even close. How many of you Look at your calendars every day so that you can see what kind of appointments you have, calls you need to make, and things you need to do for your job and for your personal life. I've been getting better and better at looking at my calendar, and my calendar week after week seems to be filling up more and more. However, yesterday, I knew exactly what I needed to do. So I didn't open up my calendar at all. In fact, I thought that I was completely ahead of the game because on Thursday night when my kids and my wife were making Valentine's cards, I decided to write out all the show notes for the podcast, this week's podcast that I was going to do on Friday. That's when I usually publish the podcast. Well, A little sneak peek real quick, it is Saturday right now and I'm doing the podcast, so things are not gonna turn out the way I thought they were going to. But I thought I knew exactly in my head how the day was going to go. I was gonna go to a meeting at 9 a.m., After the meeting, I was gonna rush to my office. This first meeting was in somebody's home. I was gonna rush to my office for the second meeting that was at 11.30. After that 11.30 meeting, I was gonna come to the studio to record the podcast, edit the podcast, get my kids off the bus, wait for my wife to get home from work, and go out to eat with friends. It was gonna be the perfect day and i was going to get everything i needed accomplished so at 9 a.m i show up at this house the woman answers the door and acts really surprised i said what's up i'm here for our meeting And she said scott our meeting's at 10 and it was nine o'clock thankfully Thankfully, thankfully, these were friends, so it was no big deal. I came in, uh, I talked for a while, and then we got down to business, and we were talking a lot longer than we probably should have because all of a sudden, I looked at my watch, and I had to race to my 11.30 meeting. You would think I got there an hour early. I would have plenty of time for the second meeting, but we got to chit-chatting and so forth, and time got away from us, so I race to my office for my 1130 meeting. I get there 10 minutes early, tidy up a little bit, and now it's 1130. And now it's 1135. I'm wondering where the heck is my meeting? So I decided to look back at my emails and was looking at a few things. Now it's 1140. This is getting a little weird that I didn't get a call or anything like that. So for the first time, I open up my calendar that day And the meeting is not at 1130, it's actually at one o'clock. So now I'm sitting at my office without a lunch, less than an hour and a half to my meeting, and there were some other things that I wanted to get done. So I do my one, I get some stuff done, I do my one o'clock meeting, it lasts until three o'clock. And now I have to race home to get my kids off the bus. My wife and I switch off getting our kids off the bus Needless to say, my day didn't work out as planned, and my head was pounding. I didn't eat lunch. I got this whole blood sugar thing going on. I get really grumpy when I'm hungry, so I have a little bit of food and wait for my wife to come home, but I never, ever, ever got a chance to do the stinking podcast the moral of the story is, my friends, look at your stinking calendars because otherwise you just might not get the things done. The other thing I want to tell you real quick, I think I said a few episodes ago that I got a Fitbit for Christmas. I had gained uh, 25 pounds in the last half of 2015. My wife got me a Fitbit. I'm happy to report to you that almost 10 of those pounds have already come off in the month of January, the first couple Days of February to be exact, nine pounds have come off. And this morning, I got up real early because it's Saturday morning now. I got up real early to do some running and I ran more than I thought I was going to do. I ran. A total of five miles, and that included ramping up and ramping down. So there was a little bit of walking in there, but five miles. And then, if you don't have a Fitbit, you can actually challenge to other Fitbit users uh, to different challenges, such as a workweek hustle, a weekend warrior challenge. So here I was already having ten thousand steps in by eight o'clock this morning i decided because my wife got a fitbit too that i was gonna uh, challenge her to a weekend warrior challenge and she can't see my number of steps until she actually accepts the challenge i invited her and a couple of uh other friends she has just joined and i have this app on my surface pro 3 uh this fitbit app so when anybody ever comments or they uh, accept the challenge or anything like that, a big noise goes off in the background. So I know what's going to happen. My wife is gone right now and she is off to an aerobics class. And I know she's thinking if her husband, if I, invite her to a challenge that she's going to for sure accept it because she's going to exercise herself. But as soon as she accepts that, she's going to see I already have 10,000 steps in and then you can be certain that the comments are going to come in my way calling me every name in the book because I have such a big head start so you will hear some noises in the background in fact I'll let you know when you do and that's basically my wife uh, not so happy with me but you know that's that's nothing new so okay where the heck are we I know where we are we're at the topic of the day Alright my friends, today we're going to talk about money mistakes that people make at every age. So I'm going to go through and hopefully catch most of the listeners and their age levels because I'm going to talk about a worst money mistake in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, and your 60s. We have all made A whole bunch of money mistakes I know that I have. If you've listened to this podcast through these episodes, you'll know that there was a a point in time when I was in my 20s that I was on the brink of filing for bankruptcy. I was in so much debt. I had no idea how to manage my money. I thought my best move was just to get the toys that I wanted. Uh, I did find out that the first step that anyone can make is admitting that you've made mistakes when it comes to money if you can admit that then you can move forward it's almost like any 12-step program that you've heard about before the first step is always admitting that you have a problem and i had a money problem for some of us our money problem is we spend too much money for others It's more we aren't educated enough on the type of money moves that we should be making. And uh, I'm gonna talk a whole lot more about this. In 2016, I call it the Great Divide. People understand that they need help with their money. The statistics show that money is the biggest worry amongst people. In fact, 70% of Americans stress about money that's their number one stress so the great divide is what do you do when you're stressing out about money you need to take action but people don't know where to start they don't trust any type of financial advisor or stockbroker or things like that so they just kind of are stuck and they bury their head in the sand and forget and pretend that everything's going to be okay That's exactly how I was in my 20s until I got to my 30s and I admitted that I made mistakes and that I don't have it all figured out when it comes to money. We spend too much, we save too little, we're underinsured, we're overinsured. The list goes on, we don't invest correctly. Uh, There's so many different ways that we make mistakes about monies. And I'm going to talk about one of the biggest mistakes in each decade of your life that people make. I'm going to start with your 20s. The biggest mistake that I believe people make in their 20s is spending more than you make and not saving enough for retirement. This one gets most of us. We graduate from college or we get our first job uh, and if we go to college, we're already in a pile of debt. So instead of attacking that debt, we don't. We can't help ourselves. For the first time, we're making some money and we feel like we deserve some things. So we go buy a nice car, we get a really nice apartment. We don't figure out what our debt to income ratio is. We just do it. We just buy nice things because everybody else is doing it let's face it we're in the air the era of abundance this is much different than the era that our parents or grandparents were in when we struggled to put food on the table it's not like that anymore we're in an era of abundance but it will nip you in the butt if you don't take care of your money wisely So the best thing that you can do, if you're in your 20s, listen to me right now. Create a budget, create a spending plan. Because if you can do that and get in the habit of creating a spending plan and saving, listen to me very closely, saving 15% of your gross income for retirement, you do not need to stress out about money. When it comes to retirement. When it comes to wanting to retire, because you on the are will be on the opposite on, end of the spectrum, thinking maybe you can retire a lot earlier than your friends. When you get into a habit to doing something, it just becomes natural. And if you can get in that habit in your 20s, oh my gosh, and you're saving 15% of your gross income, you will accumulate millions of dollars in your lifetime. If you're in your 20s, I cannot stress enough for you to get into the habit of saving 15% of your money and getting on a spending plan. Now, I know what some of you are thinking Scott, I'm not in my 20s anymore. I'm not even in my 30s. Don't worry. Don't worry because there's always things that you can do to make sure that you stay on track and we're going to get through those things. Because the key here is we cannot look back when I'm working with clients or potential clients. That's always my message. People get all up in arms because they've made a social security decision and now looking back, they wish they would have made a different decision or they wish they would have saved more or this and that. But all we can do is look forward, that's it. But if you're in your 20s, you have a chance for action. I wasn't smart like that. I instead was accumulating debt in my 20s and not on a spending plan and certainly not saving 15% of my retirement. All right, let's move on to your 30s for a second. What's the biggest problem I see with people in their 30s? Here's what happens in your 30s. We're getting married later. We're starting a family later. So folks in their 30s usually have a young family. This can happen in your 20s too, but you know what I'm saying. When you're in your 30s though, that's when you have so many different responsibilities because when you have a small family, your time is completely consumed. You work all day and you come home and you take care of the kids and you struggle to do the dishes and the household chores and you're fighting with your wife over all that stuff because she's working too. I mean, it is so stressful. Uh, So we never ever think about the worst problem that people face in their 30s and that's delaying buying life insurance. Let's face it, that's the last thing we think about. That's the last thing we want to... for it's somewhere on our list if you don't have life insurance and you have a small family a young family I know it's on the back of your mind it always keeps slipping back maybe it's like on your list of to do and it's number 20 or 30 and then every day different things stack up in front of that more important things that come up. So you delay buying life insurance. You know, we know that we need health insurance. And I, I, I can guess that most people listening to this show have health insurance. We know that if we own a car, we need car insurance. We know that if we own a home, we need home insurance. Those we know that we need. But do you know that you need life insurance? Because here's the thing not everybody needs life insurance. Sometimes people who are single and don't want to have kids and, and don't want to get married, there's, and they have a, uh, a bit of a savings account, maybe there's no need for them to have life insurance. There's other people listening to this show that maybe have had kids, but the kids are out of the house now. And you have a significant amount of money saved up for the future, for retirement, and so forth. So that means that you don't need to insure against anything at the moment. There comes a time when you don't need life insurance. But when you have a young family, and until you get those kids out to college, it is a necessity. And I think uh, the main reason why people overlook insurance is because it's not that easy to understand. Oftentimes, it's sold. Instead of something that you think that you need. So what I always suggest to my clients, and I'm not this isn't an episode on life insurance, but is to buy term life insurance because term life insurance will insure you for a specific period in time. And once you don't need that insurance anymore, kids are out of the house or you've built up enough savings that you don't need that insurance anymore. And there's a big debate between term insurance and whole life insurance. And there is a time and a place for whole life insurance for some people. But this is a show for family stewards. And the family steward approach to financial planning for most of us says we should have term insurance. So if you don't have any or you've been waiting, I don't want you to go to an insurance agent to go buy life insurance because they will more than likely want you to buy more insurance than you actually need. And the rule of thumb is to have 10 times your income. However, if both husband and wife are working, and you have some savings right now, you probably don't need that much life insurance. I'm just gonna tell you the bare minimum that you need. Make sure that you are insured, both husband and wife are insured, so that if one dies, you have enough life insurance to pay off the house, fully fund the kids for college, and maybe have a couple hundred thousand dollars more that can grow for you in retirement if both husband and wife or partners are working. If only one of you are working, that particular person should be insured, the worker, for probably 10 times the income so that if you do die, now there's money too that we can live off of and keep growing the spouse that's not working can maintain the standard of living. So there's a couple of uh, websites that I've been researching where you can go look for insurance and maybe you think you need $500,000 for 20 years that you can go to these websites and see what the prices would be, but not actually have to talk to anybody or even give your personal information so somebody will call you back. And I'm not related to these sites whatsoever. I just know that I have used these before helping clients to price out insurance. And those websites are uh, Quotacy.com and PolicyGenius.com. Com. I'm sure that there's others as well. And if you go to the show notes, you'll be able to find these websites. I'll put links up on the notes. But that's what I suggest to people. Okay, let's get on to the 40s. What's the biggest mistake I see that folks making in their 40s? And that's this. Spending money on kids' college while ignoring your own retirement. Listen, I get it. People are attached incredibly to their kids i mean let's face it we're family stewards we want the very best for our kids and at this age people are still buying things that they want Uh, maybe a bigger house a new car family vacations if you haven't started getting serious about retirement it's time to start but what's happening is parents aren't getting serious about retirement, and now they're spending an enormous part of their income on their kid's college while ignoring savings for retirement. But this is the time to wake up and smell the coffee, my friends, because there is still time when you're in your 40s to tremendously boost up your savings so that you will have what you need to have a successful retirement, so your money will not run out, compounding interest. Is such a beautiful thing, and we need to leverage this phenomenon in order to save enough for retirement. And in your 40s, there is still plenty of time to do it. The key is to figure out how much to save and then get on that schedule there's plenty of calculators out there that'll give you some rough estimate on how much you will need for retirement so just keep that in mind if you have not saved if you're in your 40s and you have not saved adequately for your kids college well then they're gonna have to find loans and go at it a lot by themselves we've just gotten too far in this game of life to not start saving for retirement. So it's one of those goals we are not going to be able to accomplish and that's okay. My advice to you parents that are in that situation and almost any parents that are out there is find a great four-year in-state public college so that you can make Expenses reasonable so your son or daughter is not graduating with $100,000 worth of debt and that they get jobs while they're in college and really help supplement their college expenses. That's the road you're on now. You need to face that fact because if you don't face the fact that you're not saving up enough for retirement, there's going to be big, big problems down the road and you're going to wind up having your kids taking care of you. And I know that's not what anybody wants. Our kids taking care of us financially. All right, let's move on to your 50s. What's one of the biggest problems that people have in their 50s? Money problems. That's getting too defensive with their retirement savings. Getting too defensive with retirement savings. This is the time when we look at our retirement accounts and the balance is getting higher than we imagined. When we're in our 30s and we have 401k balances or IRA balances that are not that high, We can stomach stock market losses, much like we've been seeing the last couple of months because losing, I don't know, 10 or 20 or 30% of your balance doesn't seem like that big of a deal because the balance is not that high to begin with. Then we move on to our 40s, the balance gets higher. We can still stomach some losses, though in our 50s, retirement is starting to stare us in the face. Stomaching a 30% drop in the market is not in the plans. So we think that we need to get ultra conservative with our money. But in our 50s, it is so hard to stomach large losses. So we It's so conservative with our money. This can really hurt in the long run, though. And our money may not grow like it should ensuring a retirement that we dreamed of. So we all need to remember that our our time horizon does not end the day that we retire. It goes on until we are no longer living. So while it's true that our risk capacity, which is our ability to even handle risk, becomes less and less as we age. We still need to allow our money to grow so it doesn't run out. A lot of us are living 30 plus years in retirement and this means that our time horizon is still very, very long. So while I agree if you're in your 50s and you have a 100 or 90% allocation in stocks, and you're starting to get in your later 50s, that that needs to be dialed down, but it does not need to be dialed down all the way to bonds and cash or very, very little stock position like I see couples doing over and over again. It's getting to that sweet spot, that place where your money can grow, but you're still not taking excessive risk. Make sure that if you don't know where you should be at, that you find a quality advisor to help you with these types of money decisions. All right, let's go to the last one. If you're in your 60s, you've probably been, if you're in your 60s listening to this show, you're probably, maybe you already turned the show off or maybe you've been waiting for what are they gonna tell me to do because none of this other stuff applies to me because I'm in my 60s. Well, a lot of this stuff still can apply to you because you can still be too conservative with your investments in your 60s. There may be a spot that you actually need life insurance, probably not, but maybe if you have certain liquidity issues in your estate or something like that, and there's other reasons for you to take note on some of these other areas or decades. But in your 60s, here's the biggest problem that I see having no plan on how you will withdraw your retirement savings. A lot of people, you know, they get to retirement and they have one big bucket of money. They start to draw down on their nest egg with no particular plan. They may take $40,000 for a renovation on their house. Or they may just think, oh, I need a new car. I'm just going to take money out of my big bucket of cash, and so on and so forth. And what seems like a large amount of money starts to dwindle down very, very quickly and much sooner than expected, especially if these funds are invested too conservatively like we talked about in your 50s. Instead, retired couples need absolutely need to have a plan on how they will withdraw their money for example i often coach couples on the the four percent fixed conservative schedule for example if a couple has a million dollars then they go ahead and they spend four percent of that their first year in retirement forty thousand dollars but then you give yourself a raise every year at the rate of inflation. So that same $40,000 will get you exactly what it got you the year before. That's how Social Security works. You have a Social Security amount that you're getting this year, and each year you'll get a raise on the cost of living. If there hasn't been any inflation during the year, or if it's been really low, then your check may stay the same the next year. As inflation goes up, your check goes up. If couples stick to this schedule and have the right mix of stocks, bonds, and cash, they are likely not to outlive their money. And that's what we want. And there's a whole bunch of other strategies to take your money out of your 401k or your IRA. But the key is to pick the one that's right for you based on your goals and your situation. Man, I sure hope that you have found value in this podcast, that you can take a tip that I gave you today and implement it into your life, into your money life, regardless of what decade you're living in. And now I need to ask you a favor. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and if you find value in this podcast, will you please do me just the biggest favor? Will you become a subscriber to the show? If you're on iTunes, that simply means to click subscribe to the show. But that's number one, that's easy. Number two, which may take you a couple minutes, if you find value in this show, please write a review for the show. Because when you do, it boosts the the visibility on iTunes. So when people search on a keyword like wealth, this podcast shows up as one of the first ones for people to click on. I would really, really appreciate it if you would write a review on iTunes for me. And in the meantime, have a great week. And I will see you guys on the flip side. Bye-bye.